Terry for breakfast. Humans of the Wheat Belt. Thanks for joining us here on Humans of the Wheat Belt, exclusive to listener LISTNR. It's a fantastic project that's been backed by the Wheat Belt Health Network, where we talk to people from all works of life across the Wheat Belt. It's an initiative celebrating diversity and inclusion across the Wheat Belt. And joining us this time round, Dr. Ram Rajagopalan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure. Now, Tell us your story. You're originally a Perth boy, born and bred, but then you made your way out to Bruce Rock. Tell us how that came to be. Uh, so I had the pleasure. So unfortunately, hopefully I don't look like it, but I'm in my 50s. So I graduated during the 87 stock market crash. And uh, when we came out, there were no jobs. So you could either go on the dole, you could go to England, which I wasn't too keen on, or you could apply for three jobs in the country, me being a Perth boy. One was along the coast, which everyone wanted to apply for. One was down south, everyone else wanted to apply for. And one was going due east, which was central wheat belt. So I thought I might try for that one because it's probably my best chance. And I've never been past Cannington because being a very, very much a Perth boy. So that's how it started. And I applied for this job to go into wheat belt and thought I'd try it for six months was the plan. And it's, what, 30 years and a bit later, so... When you enjoy what you're doing and where you live, it uh, doesn't feel like uh, you're working, does it? Yeah, so I'm one of those people who believes in fate. So obviously I was meant to be out here and uh, uh, my little journey is taking me to lots of different places. I start off in Muck and Buddha, never ever heard of Muck and Buddha. And, uh, and people might not believe this, but I'm from a time when there was no internet or mobile phones, so you couldn't actually Google Muck and Buddha, or there was no such thing as the Eagle, so there's no players from Muck and Buddha, so... Basically, just went out to Mucker and saw was out there. So from Muckaburden, you made your way around the central Weeper once you graduated, so 1992. So you went to a few towns to start off with. Did you go to Ben Coven and Beacon and those places to visit? Uh, yep. So Benny Beacon, I, I spent a lot of time in Ben Coven. I was pretty lucky in that my staff, my staff, my original staff, because I got to travel with three women. So I lived and worked with three women 24-7. That was an interesting um, experience, having grown up with all brothers. And um, they were they lived in Ben Coven, Beacon, and their uh, extended families became my family, um, which was really nice. One good thing about the wheat belt is people tend to adopt you. And uh, I don't know if I was like their little sponsored child or something, but I took it. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Got to, the way it worked in those days is you got to basically ask people if you could stay with them. So I lived at somebody's house, whether it be a teacher, a farmer, and uh, worked from while living in their house. I got to experience life in every town with multiple families. And uh, it's like a pleasure now. I get to treat the kids and grandkids of those people that I used to stay with. So, um, yeah, it's been a, basically a little hidden treasure in my life. So. And Dr. Ram, I first met you in 2019. I came out to the Bruce Rock show. And from then, I knew that you're you're pretty passionate about the Bruce Rock community through your work in various causes out there. In 94, you met your partner, Amanda. I started out in the wheat belt. Maybe I'm the defender of people, but especially my staff. I like to defend my staff. And I used to have little arguments in the old day with my bosses about conditions for staff. So my usual threat was just to say, I'm going, I'm going to quit and I'll move and go somewhere else because yeah. I knew no one else would fill my position. So in one of those little moments where I quit, I went and found a job in Perth for a few weeks and that's where I met my wife. Uh, basically, she was part of the interview panel that interviewed me <laughs> and her recommendation was not to, to employ me, to employ someone else. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if I should tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. So then uh, basically I started, so that caused her to quit her job. So we only met each other for one week on, on the way out. Probably not very happy with me because I've taken the job when against her recommendation, but I'm a, I'm a suck of a punishment, I guess, and uh, very persistent. So obviously I must have won her over at some stage because she's my wife still, so <laughs> that's how we met. And then obviously I came back to the web on anyway once they... You were drawn uh, back. You were drawn back, yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I was probably always going to go back, but uh, luckily um, I realised that they wouldn't be able to fill my position, so I could just come back, and I did. How good was and that? And I miss my staff and my patients out here anyway. So. And then you stepped it up. About 98, you went over to Meriden and took over a business there? Yeah, so 96, I got married. My wife obviously lived in Perth, and I lived out here, so that wasn't going to be a long-term solution. So if somebody was going to have to move, uh, my dad was a dentist, so the obvious thing was I was going to go and move into his practice, but that didn't really didn't really fit with me, I think. So my wife encouraged me. So in the in the end, she's to blame that um, I should back myself, and we end up buying a surgery yeah. in Meriden, and that's where we moved and put everything on the line. Which my kids, are, I like to remind my kids because we lived in like a two bedroom uh, railway house and drove a, you know, 25-year-old car, <laughs> so not the life they live now. But um, that's what we did. And uh, thankfully, all my years, six years and nine months working on the little mobile caravan, um, most people knew me, so it didn't take long for me to build up my practice, and that's where it started. So, And, and Dr. Ram, you're, you're an all-in kind of guy. You're very passionate about whatever you throw your hand to through various uh, causes there in Bruce Rock. Of course, you've served on the Shire Council for many, many years. Big supporter of the Essendon Football Club. So much so, I believe, what, you got a tattoo of dedicated to the Bombers there? Yeah, probably my third tattoo. The first was to my wife, second yeah. was to my family, and then third, the Bombers. So, yeah, so um, obviously the Bombers have had a hard run for the past many years, and all my patients know this. And uh, I did mention once to one of our, uh, the WA Bombers, uh, what should I put it, one of our little meetings with, with uh famous players, I did say, my little issue is that some of us have um, probably dedicated our body to the Bombers, so we're just like <laughs> once in our lifetime to have some success. But um, yeah, I, I'm an olden kind of person, and no matter what happens in life, mm. I'll always know at some stage that uh, they did me proud. Unfortunately, it was a long time ago. When you were yeah. growing up, they would have had a lot of success there in the uh, 80s and the 90s into the 2000s. So, uh, you know, back then, you were very proud to show off your allegiance. Yeah, well, it probably started. I turned on my 16th birthday, the Bombers won a premiership, so that was nice. Um, so my birthday is end of September, grand final day, often. Yeah. The Bombers have either done me proud or, or killed me. Like They lost the premiership for my 21st. That wasn't too good. <laughs> They spoiled my 30th birthday. That wasn't too good. But otherwise, um, yeah. How did you come to support the Bombers? Uh, well, how does that work? So many, many years ago, my dad being a dentist treated some of the South Man Football Club. Yep. And uh, I played footy very long, long time ago in the East Fremantle zone. So, but my dad treated South Man Football Club and I got to see my, Steve and Michael. I was only a little kid then. And I thought Steve and Michael was an absolute god when I saw him. And I thought it was so ginormous, which in reality is probably not to me now. But um, got to see him. So I thought one day I was watching Countdown. I thought, what's the show after Countdown, which was um, the winners with Drew Morfitt. Yes. And there was a red and white team playing a red and black team, which was South Melbourne playing Essendon. This would have been about 81. 
And I thought, I'll go for that red and white team, but uh, Essendon beat them by about 30 goals. So somewhere <laughs> early in the first quarter, I think I decided that red and black team looks all right. And then obviously not long after that, Bombers had a good run in the early 80s. So I was hooked by then. And when the Eagles came on board, it would be much easier if I supported the Eagles. But the Bombers already won two premierships. I love Tim Watson and Paul Salmon. So that was it. And I'm very loyal. So once I, once I make a decision, that's it. I ain't going nowhere. Yeah, they would have had some incredible players back then. Uh, of course, uh, the likes of uh, the Danaher brothers, uh, Merv Nagel, Alan Reid. Yeah, Leon Baker from Robert WA Shaw. is fantastic. So yeah, Simon so, Madden, yeah, yeah. Uh, incredible lineup, and of course the master coach Kevin Sheedy started his run around that time as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Kevin very, for all players has been a very uh, polarizing person. Uh, sometimes you love him, sometimes you probably don't like him so much. But um, still, he's very much a club man. I've met him many times. So one time I did try to get him to coach the Bruce Rock Footy Club many many years ago at a function. Got close, I think but not really because he ended up at um, GWS, but couldn't quite match the offer they made, but I made a good good try. Dr. Ram is with us, uh, one of the humans of the wheat belt. Dr. Ram, uh, you have had some challenges in recent years. 2008, you had a, a serious health issue there. Yeah, 2008, I had a serious health issue, but didn't realise it. And one of the, in 2008, I decided to, um, whatever reason, but I decided to go to India to do a little health mission with one of my nurses for a month. Left my wife with three kids at the time and unbeknownst to us, a fourth on the way. And um, while I was in India, I had some little issues where, well, before I went to India, actually, uh, so I got paralysed on one side of my body, but it kind of got better, but I was in a rush. I had to go to India, so kind of uh, hooked onto the plane while I was in India, got better. And when I came back, kind of thought, well, it sort of determined that I might have had a stroke, but I sort of recovered mostly. So I had to go and have a scan, and as most very, I was very busy. I'm always busy, so you know what most men do is you sort of put off your scans and that sort of thing. So in the end, I only had these scans in 2010, and uh, unbeknownst to us, well, we got some news that we weren't expecting, which is that I had relapse remitting multiple sclerosis. Um, not the best diagnosis at the time. You know, finding out that bits of my brain weren't there anymore, so that was interesting. So luckily, my mum says luckily I was born with a big brain, so I can still function. But um, yeah, so that was a bit of a, a a bit of a curveball over the next two years. Had a few tragedies in my family with my brother becoming a quadriplegic and my dad having a stroke and just lots of pressure, mm. you know that sort of thing. Um, that caused my symptoms to get worse, so I started getting paralysed. And so for the next year and a half, I'd sort of lose part of my body for about a week every month, which is very difficult when you're raising four kids and and um, trying to run two practices at the time or three once I ended up buying my dad's. But uh, in the end, luckily, I lived in Bruce Rock because Bruce Rock were fantastic. That's where you got to see support from people that are not related to you and obviously got an amazing wife. Um, yeah, and we just had a total readjustment of the life, so... So the support from the community is what got you through those difficult times? Uh, very much so. so. And without asking, which is what Bruce like, what Bruce Rock is about, so, which is probably why we still live here. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, those people that I... The people, my MS now, because I'm very open about it, obviously, and my patients know all about it. Um, people are amazed that I kind of still function, but that's how I am. 
um, and very much it's about not stressing about things, knowing that someone's always got my back, which is what it's like living in Bruce Rock, which is why I just recommend any health professional why you, I can't understand why you wouldn't want to work out in the country somewhere, having and, grown up in Perth and experiencing Perth life. And with your MS diagnosis, Dr. Ram, uh, you've been very passionate about fundraising. Uh, you've gotten involved with some uh, pretty good big causes there, and you've raised a lot of money for the cause. That all started very much, I guess, a um, selfish reason. And when it first started, which I can't remember now how long ago it was, but it must have been shortly after I became, began recovering, um, I couldn't climb stairs properly. So my best mate, I said to him, there's this thing where you can climb up some, the tallest building in Perth for MS, but I, I want to do that, but I need to learn how to climb stairs properly. So luckily I wrote to the Shire and they allowed me, we've only got one two-story building in town, which is the Shire offices, so um, they let me climb up and down their stairs for one or two or three hours a day, so six months it took me Incredible, just to go up yeah. and down, up and down, learn how to climb again. And um, I got insanely fit. That was nice. Um, but once I, like everything, once I keep repeating, 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 my body knows what to do without me thinking about it. So I don't have to tell myself how to do something, which is what MS is one of the tricks. It, tells, it tries to trick your body into not doing what you're supposed, it's supposed to do. Um, so then I decided to do this uh, stair climb. Uh, of course, my mate, he only lasted about a week. <laughs> so um, that's what mates are for. Um, but I kept going because once I start something, I'm going to finish it. And my goal was to raise $3,000. And I thought I'd put it out to my patients and the wheat belt as a whole because to me, Bruce Rock is part of a, a bigger family, which is um, Central Wheat Belt. And uh, my $3,000 I thought I was going to raise became $5,000 and became $8,000. And as I went along, I kind of made little uh, rewards for people. So one thing was if I raised $3,000, I'd do it dressed as a tooth fairy. If I raised, I think it was about $8,000, I'd do it with makeup on. And it got to the point where I said, if I raise $15,000, I'll get my legs waxed. So thankfully, I think I topped out at about 11500 Very good. I was, getting, I was getting a bit worried. but And I don't think I should subject people to that kind of trauma. Um, but yeah, so that was fantastic. And then it became, I think, to try and do every two years if I could... But as I got older, it got harder. And mm. in my brain, I kind of thought, oh, my MS must be getting worse. But I've realised it's nothing to do with MS. It's just because I've got old. So, <laughs> um, Fantastic to and, give back to uh, the cause that is uh, pretty close to your heart. Yeah. And, so, and, and uh, probably the last time I did it, uh, the biggest time I did it, would have been uh, three of the other, or well, two counsellors, sorry, one of the counsellors and our CEO and deputy CEO at the time, they decided to... Uh, accepted challenge I gave to him that we do it as a team, which was uh, Goldilocks and the three Bruce Rock Bears because I love themes, love dressing up for no reason. Um, and we ended up raising over 20 grand that one. So that was fantastic. And that was very much people getting behind the Shire. Um, and it's our little way to get Bruce Rock on the map because we're only a small town. So um, it's always I'm always amazed how people have heard of our town. Yeah. So even I remember years ago, I think most people know Bruce Rock because we used to have the uh, um, giving away free land thing, which was many, many years ago. And I remember traveling. When I got ill, I got a bit better. And my wife said, I think you should go traveling somewhere because I used to never go anywhere traveling. So I went with my best mate again, the one that pulled out after one week. And we ended up going to Canada for a week. And um, while we're crossing into Canada, 
he's somewhere the uh, immigration person saw Bruce Rock and he goes, oh, that's that place that gave away free land, isn't it? So you just never know who is heard of your little town. So the more we can get our town out there, the better. Dr. Ram from Bruce Rock is here with us. And, and Dr. Ram, uh, family is uh, very close to your heart. You've got uh, four beautiful children. Your oldest son took out the Haywire competition and got to go to Canberra. Uh, yeah, so my eldest son, um, who now lives in Perth, and he's 21 and a couple of inches taller than me, so he's not my baby anymore, but he um, he was born with this thing called pectus excavatum, which is nothing I have, but mine's not very severe. As he got older, he's got more and more severe, so to the point where I could probably fit my fist into the centre of his chest because his, his uh, rib cage is growing in towards his heart. And with our family history of dodgy hearts, it's probably not the best thing in the world. Um, but he wrote this story, and all, all, we just never noticed that our son, his, that chest was getting worse because as you get older, you don't really see a son without the shirt on much, and especially my son. Um, so he wrote about inclusivity or living in a small country town and how being accepted for who you are. And my son never never liked taking his shirt off as he got older. And we thought it was because we're not the uh, the most buff people in the world, I guess. But um, what it was was to do with this defect in his chest. And even we made our children do swimming carnivals and so on. Yep. And year 10, my son had to do his swimming carnival because that's one of our rules is that you will do your you know, last year of school swimming carnival, and he ended up breaking most of the wheat belt records, I think. And the reason for that is he would take his shirt off, jump in the pool, swim as fast as possible so he could get to the other side so he could put his shirt back on. So great motivation for him. And then when he won enough medals, he could hold the medals in front of his chest to hide the little hole, that's or the big hole in his chest. But that's what he wrote about. And he ended up writing about the way he could feel accepted in Bruce Rock. Because you can never swim anywhere else but Bruce Rock. So, and for all of us, when he never told us these things until we read this article, so it's a bit emotional for us. And then it went from there. And um, and even just a little add to that. Now my son's 21. He'd been on a waiting list for four years, and he's actually had that defect corrected because at the t- oh, at the time of the surgery, yeah. he probably only had one and a half centimeters between his rib cage and his backbone. So it must have been now so- he's. Um, now he's, yeah, physically that part sorted. So. It must have been such a tough uh, thing for him to keep in at such a impressionable age. You know, when you're when you're a teenager and and, and you've got something uh, pretty serious as that, and, and and you know probably wasn't able to come to mum and dad straight away. No, so I mean, my uh, as a dad, my first thing was I maybe I should take him in the gym. So I thought it was because the bit of a skinny kid, so he went to the gym with me and he built himself up, which actually made it look worse, but he felt better about himself. Man, he, he took his shirt off more, but then it became more obvious to everyone. So, which they end up making a little video, which is great for town and a great thing for us to look back when we're old people, we'll look at this video and go, oh, that was our son. But um, my son now is in Perth and that haywire, that little writing, he had uh, dreams of becoming a lawyer, but he's had life epiphanies with COVID because he's one of the kids that graduated in COVID and now he's he's basically realised his passion is English literature and poetry, and that's what he wants to teach children. So that's what he's switched to, um, and that's very much stemmed from his experience with his, uh, I guess, birth defect, as you call it that, and his uh, acceptance in Bruce Rock and things he's been through with the surgery because it was very traumatic surgery. But 
and also with COVID and resilience. So in the end, everything happens for a reason. So, Humans of the Wheat Belt here on Listener, L-I-S-T-N-R, Dr. Ram Rajagopalan. Been great catching up with you here on Humans of the Wheat Belt. Thanks, Cherry. Hope I haven't bored you all. <laughs> so, no, look, you're, you're an inspiration to a lot of people out there and, you know, you stayed loyal and you're passionate about the Eastern Wheat Belt. So appreciate you sharing your story with us here on Humans of the Wheat Belt. That's right. It's a pleasure to be involved in that program. Just amazing stories from a lot of people and amazing how open some people were. And also amazing for me knowing some of those people and not realising their story. So, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Humans of the Wheat Belt is a Wheat Belt Health Network initiative celebrating diversity and inclusion across the Wheat Belt. Thanks for joining us. Terry for breakfast. Humans of the Wheat Belt.